So we're continuing with uh, the studies that we've been doing in the Gospel of John. Uh, we've got to another great chapter in John, and already our worship has talked about these themes of the opening of eyes. This is about a man whose, whose eyes were opened, or about the light, uh, Jesus, the light of the world. So there's something uh, tremendously positive and hopeful and joyful about uh, this story, but it actually begins in a very different way. It begins with the blame culture. Do we know about the blame culture? And uh, it begins with the disciples coming across somebody who was blind and was begging and who was known to have been born blind, and they say, Who sinned? Who can we blame for the condition of this man? Himself, perhaps? How could you blame the man himself for being born blind? Or maybe his parents looking for somebody to blame. His fault, her fault, their fault. Uh, Most of you know that uh, Janice and I lived in Prague for uh, several years. And um, we had a lot of people come onto our campus uh, when we were there and... One of them I remember vividly, not unfortunately for a very good reason. I remember others very vividly for very good reasons, but this particular guy, when he was uh, around, uh, had an accident, a minor accident, but he stumbled and his glasses came off and they broke. Well, sad, but then he wanted to sue us. And he wanted to sue us because he said we hadn't kept uh, our pavements even enough. And that was why the accident happened. Some of you have been to Prague, haven't you? Think about the roads and the streets. What do you see there? Cobbles, exactly. It's one of the great features of the city. So the point is you've got to tread carefully and you don't expect a pavement that is even. So actually I have to say I got out of my pram with this particular guy. I know that most of you will find that impossible to believe, uh, but it occasionally happens, about once every few years. I get out of my pram, uh, and uh, it happened with this particular guy. How could he be blaming something that is part of the environment that uh, people come to see and to experience? But the blame culture is looking for that kind of of thing. Now Jesus didn't get into that. Not at all. So here's the disciples. And by the way, <laughs> the disciples blow it so often, don't they, in the Gospels. Some people imagine that the Gospel stories are just made up. I mean, would you really make up a story where you blow, <laughs> blow it so often, given that it's written by the disciples themselves? Um, so they're getting it wrong. But Jesus has a totally different approach to this man. This is more the approach. Uh, the, the ambulance service, it means quite a bit to me working a little bit at Addenbrooke's uh, because we have the ambulances that go out and I know some of these crews. And, uh, and Do you think they go out and sort of find somebody and then start saying, what did you do that for, you stupid idiot, that we've got to come out and rescue you? It's not quite, is it? 
what goes on because it's the need is there and you are immediately meeting the need. And this is what Jesus said was the whole point. Here we've met this man. He has a need. God is going to work. That's what he said. And this can be by dramatic healing. It can be in many other ways that God works. We've got all the benefits of medicine now and all the advances that God has given, the gifts that God has given. And so God works in many different ways. Um, Some years ago, I knew someone who was a journalist. Uh, He died some years ago, but his name was Malcolm Muggeridge. Uh, And uh, he wasn't uh, a Christian in an early part of his life, but he was drawn towards Christianity and became a Christian. And one of the things that drew him in his travels was to go to different parts of the world and to see that in different parts of the world, medical facilities, hospitals, and other things, uh, in the earliest stages of these developments, had largely been put into place by Christians. It was Christians who had responded to those needs, and it impressed him. And another thing that, uh, just thinking about the story of Christians meeting needs, when I looked at some of the issues of disability in the 19th century, I was really struck uh, by the way in which it was the churches that pioneered uh, meeting the needs of of disabled people long before the state was beginning to uh, think about that. And, uh, of course, here we have in the story a a man with disability. And out of the inspiration of who Jesus is, Christians have taken up the path of meeting need. So Jesus, the light of the world, the theme of light coming into dark places, into places of need, and Jesus bringing light, bringing healing, bringing hope, as we sang in our uh, wonderful song. So it's not really about asking, how can we sort out all the issues of where does evil come from and why do things happen? Uh, There's a place for thinking about that, but there's a much bigger place for trying to do something about it, and that's the challenge that we have. And Jesus did. And we might ask some interesting questions about why Jesus did it the way he did it in terms of this healing. Why the mud? Why the saliva? Why the putting it on the eyes? Why the going to the pool of of Siloam? Lots of interesting things, some of which reflect the medicine of the day, thinking that was around at the day, and Jesus going along with some of that. But particularly, I think, for the, for the man himself, uh, I just imagine that moment of, of being washed in the pool of Siloam. Jesus said, go and wash. And it was a place that was associated with uh, the refreshing uh, that could come and the healing that could come from the waters. These were flowing waters, uh, and, and the whole idea of being sent. This is the meaning of, of Siloam. So the man is sent, but God had sent Jesus, and the flowing water is sent by God. It all kind of fits together, uh, and it becomes a place of healing. And this is what the man talks about later, how he went to this pool and came back seeing. So it's a rather... Uh, Dramatic story, isn't it? 
uh, of healing, and yet healing through different means that Jesus used. So it's not that we can expect God to work just, but he works through uh, different means. And uh, years ago I heard a, a Scottish minister, Presbyterian minister, uh, talk about this story, and he, he imagined the different people that Jesus healed all getting together to share their stories of how it all happened. And in his imagination, uh, the man who had this, in this story, the, the mud and the saliva and uh, uh, the, the pool of Siloam said to these other people, well, did you have this in your healing? And they said, oh, no, we didn't have that. And uh, typical kind of Scottish Presbyterian way of looking at life, he imagined these people sort of falling out with one another because they had that way of healing and somebody else had another way of healing. And we've never fallen out with one another in Presbyterian churches, have we, Peter? No, 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 that wouldn't happen. But anyway, in his imagination, it happened. Um, But it, it is important when we think about the variety of ways in which Jesus worked to say there's no one way, is there? Uh, there are so many different ways, and that's part of, of the joy of being open to the Spirit as we've been uh, singing today, to see that in that openness, all kinds of different possibilities come our way. Now, this became controversial, the healing. Not necessarily the healing itself, but the fact that it had happened on the Sabbath day, because it was work. And you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day. And maybe Jesus made a big point of the different parts of the healing simply to make it public. To say, look what I'm doing. This is what the Sabbath is about. It's about God's blessing for people. And let's not allow any of our thinking to be restricted in such a way that we restrict the blessing of God that he wants to bring, as unfortunately some of Uh, those Pharisees did. And Jesus made his famous remark, the Sabbath was made for persons and not persons to line up with the Sabbath. So there's a whole series of encounters that take place which we didn't read between the man and the religious leaders. But what I love is the religious leaders of all their kind of objections to what happened. And the man simply says, This is my experience. I went and I washed and I was able to see again. And it's so powerful, isn't it? Just to be that simple, to say I met with Jesus and my life has been transformed. And that was the experience of this man. He didn't have all uh, the learning. He didn't have all the background. He wasn't even quite sure who Jesus was. Uh, But he said, this is what happened to me. And I think there's something for us there uh, in our community, in our lives. Uh, Let's be ready to say something that has made a difference in our lives as a result of our encounter with Jesus. And for some people, uh, what follows that is baptism. And we've had our different occasions outside of baptism, and the washing really kind of fits in with that, doesn't it? There's, there's a washing in the Pool of Siloam, uh, some of these images in baptism, the new life, to be able to see, 
all of this is powerful spiritually. Uh, and uh, some of you probably haven't seen some of our uh, baptisms that have taken place outside. But what really struck me was, this isn't in Camborne, is it? It's in New Orleans. They're copying Camborne in New Orleans. So I was pretty chuffed to um, pick that one up. And uh, just to think about how when people uh, confess their faith, they're able to say, now I can see. Not that we see everything, but we can see in a way that we didn't see before. But along with that, uh, there's for many people in our world a real cost in following Jesus. Some of us were to a lecture recently talking about uh, Henry Martin, who you will hear more about next month in church, a great missionary who went out from Cambridge to India and then uh, to Persia. And the speaker on this occasion uh, in Cambridge was talking not just about what Henry Martin did a couple of hundred years ago, but also the seeds of that in the Christian church today in Iran. And that's one of the many places around the world Uh, where it's very difficult to be a Christian. And that's not new. This guy who was healed was thrown out by the religious leaders because he had become a follower of Jesus. At the end of our reading, uh, there's, I think there's a wonderful passage where he says, I don't don't really know who you are, Jesus. It's all happened. I, I think you're a prophet. And then Jesus says, well, this is who I am. And the man says, and so I worship you. And isn't that our calling? It's our calling to be witnesses, to have something to say in our workplace, in our neighborhood, but to be able to say above all, it's not because of me, it's not that I've got some great experience, but it's about Jesus and I want to worship him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.